This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 352. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I am joined today by Jacob Paulson. Yes, it's true. I am here. He is here. Jacob is in the house. So uh, I love how you make me feel like a celebrity, by the way. Because <laughs> you are. Just, generally speaking, you, you, and maybe you want other people to think I'm a bigger deal than I am. Uh, listeners of this podcast, I mean, I think you've sold me really well over the last three years. <laughs> well, stop cutting yourself yourself short there, buddy. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's, it's not that I think I'm not cool. It's just, I just think you, you sell me really well. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I, I, I think I sell other people better than I sell myself, frankly. I'm a terrible self-promoter. But... I am thrilled to be here with you today, and we're going to have a great discussion about open carry, uh, the practice, best practices, tactics, maybe even from a legal standpoint, too. So we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of see where this discussion leads us today. Uh, be, be prepared. Buckle your seatbelts. Hang on. Uh, and uh, I, I suspect that from this episode, there will be at least, in fact, I'm willing to make a bet. We will get at least, ooh, do I dare go this far? We'll get at least three emails or reviews on the podcast from this episode alone. Probably uh, in disagreement with us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, three isn't that many. So, sure. I'm, I think that's I, I, not that hard. Well, for a single episode, though. I mean, we, we've certainly seen that. But uh, anyway. By the way, if you want to reach out to us, contact us, you may do so by emailing us. Podcast at concealedcarry.com. That's the best way. That'll get to that goes directly to me and Jacob and Matthew, the three uh, main stars of the show. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> I included myself that time. That was good. That was nice. <laughs> All righty. So today's episode, by the way, made possible, brought to you by Ammo Supply Warehouse. Great people, great ammo, awesome prices. I, I've been ordering quite a bit lately because I've been through a couple of uh, courses for myself, plus uh, in doing some instruction, you know, on the, so I've, I've been both a student and a teacher in the last, you know, month or so. And we're going to be instructors again this weekend, Jacob, as we get ready for our triple guardian. That is our three days of pistol guardian pistol courses where we teach Basically, if the easiest way to explain it is think level one to level three defensive handgun shooting, uh, but way more awesome than everybody else out there because our curriculum is pretty dang awesome, right? Some more self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> we are the bestest of anyone. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, we start tomorrow with the first class, and uh, so got to make sure I'm well-stocked on ammo, and Ammo Supply Warehouse is my go-to place for that. And it makes even more sense now with all the drama surrounding certain entities which shall not be named at least in this episode in fact maybe they should never be named again because of the traitors that they are <laughs> but uh anyway so certain companies have chosen not to continue selling ammunition for handgun training courses you know who you are although i'm sure they're not listening but anyway ammosupplywarehouse.com is the place to find them ammosupplywarehouse.com 
take advantage of a 5% discount if you're a Guardian Nation member. Definitely hope that you'll do that. And uh, yeah, anything else I should say, Jacob? Nope. Why don't you tell everybody about the new revamped video library? Yeah, so we're really excited about this. So this episode, uh, we wanted to make sure we announced that on consultcare.com, now in the main menu of the website, you'll see a new option that says videos. And what has happened is we a lot of people come to our site and it's really easy to find our articles. It's really easy to find a lot of our tools, our business directory and our permit maps and our legal summaries and all that good jazz. But people say that they have our time finding our videos on our website. And it's true because not all our videos are in any given place, right? You, could, you can subscribe to us on YouTube and certainly we'd love for you to do that. You could get some of our videos. You could subscribe to us on our Facebook page here and you'd get a lot of our videos here. But we didn't really have a home for all the video content. So we've done that now. You can go to consultcare.com, click on videos there. And if you want, you can choose various different categories of videos. So all of the podcast recordings uh, that we do on Facebook Live can be found there on a page. You can find just all of our videos from SHOT Show coverage, all of our interviews from USCCA Expos, all of our gear reviews, uh, all of our shop talks. So you can find the shop talk archive of, of that weekly show as well. So, uh, or you can just look at all our videos. But regardless, we encourage you to go to consultcare.com and, and familiarize yourself with that video resource. A lot of good content goes in there and we keep it pretty dang updated. Awesome. Yeah, I was uh, really pleased with the organization of it and just having a much easier way of accessing all, because there's a lot of great, uh, all of our great video content that's on our website. So anyway, head on over to consultcare.com. If it's been a while since you've stopped on by, I would hope that you would check it out. Right there on that menu bar, just find videos and go watch to your heart's delight and content. And if you want even more stuff, then check out Guardian Nation, <laughs> where do we have even more videos for Guardian Nation members. Well, Jacob, we uh, sat down and decided we would uh, approach this controversial top topic. <laughs> I say controversial because it does seem like whenever it's brought up, that uh, people come out of the weeds and the woodworks to talk about it because there's strong opinions on a, you know from a variety of uh, different viewpoints and perspectives, and uh, so it, it, which I I find somewhat amusing. So you know at times because uh, I don't know why we got to get so uh, so worked up about things sometimes, but that's that's the way it goes, especially when we're talking about gun stuff because we're passionate about about it, right? But uh, so we're, we're, we're going to be talking about open carry, all right? Uh, is it good? Is it okay? Is it wise? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so well, I think we have, to, we have to separate this out a little bit, right? I think, sure. I think we have to start with the, um, I'll call it, you know, kind of the, the legal question, the question as to our rights and, and the laws and the constitution and stuff. And then maybe we can go into you know, some of the politics and maybe we can get into some of the tactics. Yeah, I agree with that approach. And in fact, I want to get this one thing off my chest and out of the way right from the get-go because, you know, what, what, what might happen is if I don't say this for a few minutes, I will say something else that somebody might not like and they'll stop listening. <laughs> so let me set the record straight right here, right now about open carry and the right to do so. I 100% absolutely with full confidence and support, I, I, I support the right to openly carry a gun. However, whenever, 
doesn't matter. Like that, as far as the right's concerned, and as far as the Constitution's concerned, that is without question a-okay. All right. So that I want to get off my chest and throw out there, and and we can kind of start from this point and yeah. whatever direction you want to go. But I just oh. want to say that for the record, as far as the right is concerned, it should not be infringed. It should not be discouraged uh, legally or through other uh, legislative processes. Uh, it should be absolutely a-okay as far as the law and constitutionality is concerned. Now, do I have some other opinions about open carry that, again, you said, let's separate the legal and constitutional issues from maybe the tactics and some of the other things. Yes. But as far as the right, no problem whatsoever. Fully support it. Fully endorse it. Yep. I think I could say ditto. I, I, I feel very strongly that the Second Amendment to the of the Bill of Rights to the U.S. Constitution clearly uh, gives us the right to you know bear arms as we wish, and I think open carry is part of that. Now, to be clear, that's that's my opinion, right? That's how I feel the Second Amendment should be interpreted, and I I, I feel very strongly that should be the case, and I'm very comfortable, uh, and and I am in support of any effort to uh, you know maintain or or grow that right that right to be able to open carry a firearm where and how you wish i'm i'm on board with with that i think that that is what what the second amendment meant to do and i think it is what it should do uh, now I'll, I'll i'll take our conversation to the next step here and i'll talk about what it does and doesn't and i think this is this is important this is something i have a hard time talking to gun owners about just inherently i struggle with how to communicate this so i'll, I'll try my best now and see if this gets us any junk mail uh junk mail <laughs> i get junk mail anyway any hate mail excuse me so it's really important to understand that what what the second amendment um should mean or what the second amendment uh I, what i feel it should mean is not necessarily what it means Right, so so it's easy for any of us to say, well, the Second Amendment, you know, should not be infringed, and it means X. It's like, well, that's you know, any everyone's open to having their own personal interpretation of, of the Second Amendment. Like, I'm, that's all good. But the real question is, what does our government say it means? <laughs> what does what does the Supreme Court say it means? Because that's what's actually enforceable, right? That that's what I can actually appeal to a court. That's what I can actually go out and fight for. Uh, now, now, and that said, we can always fight to expand that, right? We can always fight to change what the Second Amendment uh, means legally, but uh, beyond my own personal interpretation, beyond what I think it should mean or how I feel about it, um, there has to be a question about what it does mean. And, and really, majority of the constitutionality, you know, in terms of the interpretation of the Second Amendment, that the majority of what we know about what the Second Amendment means comes from Heller 1 and Heller 2. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court decisions over the last couple of decades. And Heller 1 and Heller 2 basically say that we have the right to have a personal firearm for personal protection and to have it with us. That's what it says. Uh, and, and we've seen interesting court cases. In fact, just in the last 12 months, we saw a federal district ruling on Hawaii. Uh, and we've seen one in New York. And we saw the one in D.C. Was that last year or two years ago? Now I can't I can't remember. But what we've seen is that there's a consistent there's a consistent theme in in the court in the courts relative to the Second Amendment that basically says that you have to have a legal means to have a gun with you. 
you have to have a legal means to have a gun with you. It doesn't necessarily mean that open carry, you know, the, the, the courts have not said open carry has to be legal in all 50 states. What the courts have said is uh, you, you have the right to have a gun with you. And states have been told by federal district courts, more than, more than two of them that I can think of, at least three, that they have to allow some way, some legal method that the citizens uh, who are otherwise not disqualified from doing so can, can be armed. Uh, can have a gun in public with them. So that, the, from, from a legal perspective, like if I'm looking at the constitutionality of it, again, I feel like open carry should be a constitutionally guaranteed right. I, I think that the, the, the Second Amendment, by my interpretation, should guarantee the right of, of open carry. But my understanding of current uh, legislation, current um, court opinions, and current Supreme Court precedents is that open carry is not necessarily constitutionally guaranteed. At best, what is guaranteed is your right to have a gun with you somehow. And really what you're saying is that there hasn't been a, at least a Supreme Court case that has like definitively said open carry must be the law of the land. Correct. It's right? not a thing. There, there have been Supreme Court cases that say um, citizens who are otherwise not disqualified from doing so should be, you know, they, they, they should have a legal means of having a gun with them. Yeah. That, that is there, but it doesn't say open carry. It also doesn't say concealed carry, I might add. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and that's not untypical of the Supreme Court because they are always going to be cautious to be too specific on, on issues, right? So uh, now I saw that uh, Mark also commented, you know, don't forget about the McDonald case, McDonald versus city of Chicago, which is similar, uh, covered the law. The legal issues there were kind of a little bit of a different perspective, but again, you know, it, it just further clarifies uh, some of the things that we saw from Heller as well. So, um, again, yes, there should be a way, a legal way, a means in every jurisdiction across the country for a citizen to carry and you know, to keep and bear arms. Uh, and, and, that, and that was what was so huge about McDonald. And what's so interesting is right now, politically speaking, there's all this talk about the Second Amendment and how it's outdated, how it should be updated, how it should be repealed, and which certainly there's constitutional means whereby you can do do that. But the McDonald case, if as if Heller wasn't enough, the McDonald case very clearly said it's an individual right to keep and bear arms. And right now that thing is you know, at least if you believe what you see on CNN and, and some other mainstream news outlets, like that is not a popular thing. Uh, the reality, I think, is is absolutely different. But because uh, I actually think that the American people still, by and large, support the idea and the, the, the support, support the Second Amendment and the idea of individuals having a right to keep and bear arms. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, AR-15s and so-called assault rifles or weapons that are coming under fire right now. But that's that's a whole other issue for another time. Yeah. Although they could be carried openly, which they are in many cases, usually for political demonstrations. Uh, and and we can we can talk about that. But uh, as far as the legal and constitutional thing, we've established, I think, a really important thing that there there have been a couple of landmark cases that have 
that have touched on this a little, but not directly hit on open carry per se and said open carry must be allowed because it's not. And that's why you have some, some states where open carry is not permitted or is not legal. And even in some states where, this has always been interesting to me, where there's some states where you have to have a concealed carry permit. And actually like Texas, I think the whole reason they changed their language on what they call their permit was to bring it in line with, they, they started to allow open carry, but you got to have a permit to do it. So they call it a license to carry. Uh, but that's actually kind of a unique uh, situation there. It's, I mean, yeah, there's several like that. I mean, New Jersey is like that. You can right. open carry in New Jersey if you have a permit. Uh, Ohio's right. weird. You can open carry without a permit in public, but to open carry in your vehicle, you have to have a permit. Right. <laughs> Oklahoma, there, there's so you, many weird yeah, things I mean, like that. There's, there's tons. So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, Minnesota, Massachusetts, and Maryland are all ones where uh, – Iowa, Indiana, those are all ones where it's you can open carry only if you have a concealed carry yeah. permit. Yeah. So there's quite a few. And I think – Here's here's my next thought. And this this is where the hate mail is really going to come. Right? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> but I also think we have to, just by nature of timing of when we're recording this episode, talk about the right of a business to restrict open carry. So in recent sure. weeks, we've seen a large number of um, big chains, um, some extremely big, aka like Walmart, uh, Kroger, um, who who have come out and basically said. We, we were asking you to not open carry in our stores. We're asking you to not open carry in our stores. And they're not the first ones to do this. Uh, Starbucks did this some time ago. Target did this not too long ago, uh, where they're basically, the, the policy is not one of no guns. The policy is one of no open carry. We don't want to see your guns. Yeah, we don't want to see your guns, right? Yeah. And, and it's interesting because some of the, and I've, you know, these press releases, you read them or you read the statement from the CEO or whatever, and some of them are a little bit like strongly worded, like, oh, you know, nope, we don't, we don't like guns. And so please don't open carry here. And we're also going to support legislation that, you know, background checks. And it's like, oh, whoa, okay. Others are a little bit more gentle. It's the Starbucks one is, to me, has always been the most intriguing and it's now several years old. But the Starbucks CEO, what he said was something like, listen, what we don't want to be is a, a pawn in a political game. We don't, we don't want our brand to be the place where y'all fight over your rights. Like, leave us out of it, please. And, and, and we're not going to have a policy that's a, that says no guns in our stores because it's not fair, even if we had a policy like that, it wouldn't be fair to ask our $10 an hour employees to confront people with guns and tell them to get out of the store. We're not going to do that for the safety of our people. So we're just kindly asking not policy, just kindly asking to please not open carry in, in our stores. That, so I, I guess my point is when, when, you know, when people ask me about my opinion on this kind of thing, and it's been coming up a lot recently, I'm a little sympathetic. I'm a little sympathetic. I'm still kind of pissed off. But there, to me, there's varying degrees and also kind of approaches to how it's being done, right? The, the Starbucks one, for example, I'm a little sympathetic where I'm like, okay, thank you for not asking your $10 employees to come up to the guy with the gun and say, get out, right? If you walk into a Starbucks today with an AR-15, no one's going to say anything. Uh, they're just, they've kindly asked that you don't do that. That's all. Uh, versus, you know, a, you know a, another company that's saying, hey, not only do we not want to see your guns in our store anymore, but we're now donating money to the anti-gun lobby to pass. But, you know, it's like, whoa, okay, like that's, a, that's a different kind of statement you've taken. So for whatever that's worth, that's where yeah. I'm at on this is it's, I, I, I generally just don't, I don't patronize businesses that in any way are anti-gun or don't support gun rights, but I'm a little sympathetic to the plea of a business that says, we don't want to be a pawn in a political war, you know, please leave us out of it. And, and, and we're not going to 
create a policy that puts our own, you know, poor employees in a, in a compromised position. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those, those are good thoughts. Uh, also to be clear and for the record, uh, because I was clear in my opening statements on the constitutionality and legality uh, as far as supporting that of open carry. But you know what? I will also be clear on I completely 100% support the right of private property owners because I'm a private property owner as well. Yeah. And I I get really upset when the government tries to tell me, and they do do, I mean, there's a lot of ways that the government intrudes in our lives with regards to our personal and private property. And I get really irritated at that. I mean, I am a freedom-loving American, right? Well, and property and, ownership is is one of the most unique things about American freedom. The, the, the reality that you can actually own property and it's yours. And to, to, there's relatively little regulation on and that property pro- you own. Protected by the Constitution. That's what's yeah. so huge about it, right? It's a big, big, big deal. And it, we already have too much intrusion f- from government on personal property rights, I mm-hmm. believe. Constitutionally, yeah. I think there, there's already all kinds of infringements in that regard. Uh, so again, I fully support a business's right, a business owner, a CEO to say, we don't want this in our store. Now, that might not make me happy because it is, you know, there is that interesting juxtaposition of we have a, a, an individual or a company that has rights to their property and we have individuals who have rights to carry a gun and there's that, that conflict there. Right. And I, I do sense that some people feel like their second amendment right should trump the private property owners. Right. And, and I kind of, and I don't, before you get up, you know, some of you, I'm sure screaming at the radio or screaming at your mobile devices or whatever, however you are listening to this uh, right now, I, I, I get that, somebody opens a business and they put themselves out, they hang a shingle, you know, on, on over the door and say, open for business, come on in, buy our stuff, right? Uh, but guess what? It's still their property and I, I'm still inclined to not infringe upon their rights to create whatever rules about that. In fact, I believe business owners should be able to refuse service to anybody. Yeah, we could, we're not going to go and get into the weeds on racism and sexism and all that stuff, but uh, that. I'm just a big believer in freedom. It's okay? capitalism. Yeah, if, absolutely. If you, don't, if you don't like the way the business conducts its business, don't do business with that business. I mean, I I I, I can't handle IKEA, not just because they don't allow guns, but because they want you to walk through the entire freaking store just to check out, right? So then, I, well, guess what I do? I don't shop at IKEA. You know, that's that, that's how that yep. works. Uh, I mean, long before Walmart had any anti-gun uh, tendencies or whatever we want to describe what they're doing now. Uh, I, I don't like Walmart because I think yep. their business practices are bad for planet Earth. So I don't shop at Walmart. You know, we just those are decisions we get to make. And yep. again, as a business owner, uh, we don't we're, we're not a retail business. We don't have customers who come into a retail storefront uh, at concealedcarry.com every day. So it's not something I have to directly deal with. But I'm I'm a little sympathetic to the plea of we don't we. You know, we're just asking you to keep the guns covered. And again, yep. how it's said or how it's done or why, what the motive is, those are all things that, that matter to me when I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to patronize that business in the future. But Absolutely. there's a significant difference for me uh, between a, a, a business like Kroger, who says, please cover that gun up, and a business like Safeway, which owns also Albertsons, who says, no gun, or Whole Foods, 
who say no guns in our stores. One, I can still go into and defend myself if something goes down. The other one straight up just doesn't want me there. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And again, just so I'm clear, I completely support these businesses' rights to, you know, make whatever rules they want about their establishments. That doesn't necessarily mean I won't criticize them for instituting such policies, right? I'm free to criticize. I'm free to say you guys are dumb for doing this, but I won't, you won't ever hear me saying the government should step on their toes and force them to allow, whether it's any guns at all or just, you know, open carry or whatever it is, whatever the issue is. So anyway, all right, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, let's talk just, let's kind of shift gears, Jacob, and talk about the practice of open carry. All right. So let's talk about gear. Let's talk about, you know, holsters, that sort of thing. Maybe even clothing choices. Uh, maybe what are some of the, the best practices, if you will, where it comes to how you would open carry. Yeah. I think uh, we just, I want to start with retention. Okay. Uh, so open carry is a, is a bit of a beast because inherently you're communicating to, you know, random strangers around you that you have a gun. And this then increases the odds that you might, uh, that, that someone might attempt to take that gun from you, right? That you become a target for the firearm, the theft of that firearm. And, and we got news stories like that plenty of times that's happened. So I am not pushing the envelope or, or stretching the imagination at all to come up with that. Uh, yeah, when you open a carry gun, you're more likely to have someone try and take that gun. It happens to cops. People will attack a cop and try and steal the, steal the gun right off the belt, or they're already in an altercation with that officer. And so they go for the officer's gun. So if you're going to open carry, firearm retention is a different ball game, right? Where you have, you know, we have different levels of retention, you know, and I, and I, level one, level two, level three. I also just generally think of the words, you know, active retention versus passive retention. Um, you know, I think of passive retention as, as, a, as a holster where, you know, the, the gun's kind of in there, you know, like it, it's just, it's in there tight enough that if I turn the thing upside down and joggle it a little bit, it doesn't come out. But if I grab and pull hard enough, it comes out. Whereas an active retention system, system is something I have, to, I have to do something to disengage. I think of it like I do a safety on a gun, right? So I have to twist the gun this way, or I have to hit this switch, or I have to remove this thing first or whatever, or I have to undo this snap or strap or whatever. So I think when we're talking about open carry, we got to up the retention game. Yep. I 100%. Like that's a perfect place to start. So your your holster for when you are carrying openly should be a totally different rig from what you probably carry concealed or you know generally concealed is inside the waistband. Uh, open carry should have active retention in my opinion. And what I mean by that is there are holsters that have uh, passive retention, which is where the tension of the holster can be designed or adjusted in such a way to where there's that friction, right? Or a snap or something. And I'm not talking about a button snap, like on a retention uh, uh, strap. I'm talking about that, that click or snap of the holster of the gun going in or out of the holster, right? That's passive retention where we're, we're strictly relying upon the friction of the holster to keep the gun in the holster, right? Passive retention, in my opinion, is not adequate for open carry. And the reality is when we look at, in, you know, there's all kinds of examples of, of, of photos of people openly carrying in public uh, that a lot of times they are doing so with holsters that I don't think are the best choice. 
for that, right? Now, again, somebody somewhere is listening. How dare you tell me how to carry my gun? I, I'm not telling, I don't, honestly, I, this is where I get kind of, you know, there's, there's this little bit of butting head sometimes with people when you're having conversations about such uh, topics uh, where, you know, they, they feel like you're trying to tell them what to do. I, I don't care what anybody does as long as they're not harming somebody else in the process. I don't care. But I will tell you what I believe is best practice. And active retention is what you should do if you're going to be openly caring. Now, why? Let's talk about the why. The why is because gun takeaways are a real thing. People being targeted for crimes, specifically even for taking their gun away from them, is a real thing. There is documented instance after instance after instance. I could overwhelm you with the stories I have bookmarked. And Jacob, I know you are well acquainted with many of the same ones Mm -hmm. where people have their guns taken from them that frequently this is because they are openly carrying or they're concealed carrying and they don't do so successfully, right? Printing or having your gun exposed when you are trying to carry concealed is no different than open carry because what op- the difference, you know, it, it's, it's, I know it's common sense, but the difference between open carry and concealed carry is open carry, people know you have a gun. Concealed carry, people don't know, right? So people start talking about printing and whether printing is okay or not okay or whatever. Printing is risky behavior because there is that chance that somebody could know that you have a gun. And if, if somebody knows you have a gun, then there is a chance, however slight it may be, but there is a chance that you will now be targeted because of that gun. Now, so often people say, oh, I'll be the first person that gets shot. That may or may not be true. It, it could be. It certainly could make you a target as far as violence, uh, but it's far more uh, common that people are targeted because the criminal wants the gun that they have. And so often we see holster and gear choices that are used in open carry situations that make it far too easy for that individual's gun to be removed from them. Yeah, I mean, major, major holster manufacturers are out there selling holsters with the label OWB that are horrible for open carry. Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily bad for OWB, right? If, if right. you carry OWB and then you cover it up with a shirt and you're concealing it, now whatever, or maybe you're using it on a range where you, know, you don't need active retention. But if you're open carrying, your traditional OWB holster for most of these holster manufacturers is, does not have an appropriate level of retention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the, what I would say is the gold standard in this regard would be like a Safari Land ALS uh, holster, outside waistband. Uh, it's got the, the you, know, you have to use the thumb to activate the or deactivate or disable the retention on it, and and the gun is able to come out right, uh, and it can be done so very quickly uh, with practice and training with that holster right. It shouldn't really slow you down that much. Mm-hmm. I've used level three retention holsters for many years, and I can draw maybe not quite as fast as I can without, but plenty fast, meaning I can still get one second draws and shots on target from a level three holster without really thinking about it too hard. So anyway, okay. So if you're going to open carry, 
my first recommendation, like Jake, like Jacobs is here, because you're the one that brought it up, is use a holster with good retention. And I would say it should be active retention. Again, do what you want to do, but understand the risks and understand. I know that there's so many people out there that, uh, frankly, they're they're uh, ignorant to the fact that they that they could they they believe that they will never be targeted or made a victim because of that gun carried on their hip. So I think an, another natural progression here. Again, I I think we, I said we would we would talk about gear and stuff like that, uh, but this would lead in us into. Uh, whether open carry is a deterrent or not. And I, I want to save that still here for a little bit later. I want to talk real quick and shift gears to, you mentioned, Jacob, that there's plenty of OWB holsters out there that uh, certainly could be used uh, for open carry. Now, whether they are the best thing to use because of a lack of active retention or not, that again, we, we've covered that. But uh, you could certainly go OWB and, and wear a heavy jacket or coat or something over top of it, or even some shirts and conceal it that way. But let's talk about, again, open carry. And there are some states where you, you uh, where open carry is, is legal, of course, uh, but maybe there might be an issue in terms of legality if that gun becomes slightly concealed. Or uh, vice versa. Right. Or the other way around. Sure, absolutely. That, and that's so I will address the, the one issue, the one half of the issue, if you'll take the other half. Sure. And so what I'm referring to is I know some people practice open carry because it's the only method that's available to them, whether because of their age, because there's plenty of instances where there, there are individuals between the age of, ages of 18 and 21, where they're not quite old enough to get a permit because most states permit laws are based around the age of 21. Uh, and so, but they can carry legally a handgun openly, and so they will do so. There are individuals where they simply have not been able to get a concealed carry permit for whatever reason, or concealed carry maybe is difficult to achieve in their particular jurisdiction, but perhaps open carry is still allowed. So let's just suppose that you're in a situation where open carry is mandated or mandatory. Uh, I would say- Or your choice. Well, but I, I'm, oh, I'm, I see where you're going. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah right. where, where I'm going that's, with this. That's the with only this option is, you have legally. Right. Where I'm going with this is that you should make sure that you make clothing choices that ensure you're not going to have a, an issue here. So, uh, again, this is going to be very specific to the various jurisdictions that are out there. And as far as uh, if they have anything on the books that addresses situations where clothing may partially conceal a firearm, but I can definitely tell you there are those jurisdictions where partially concealing a firearm would be violating the law, right? Where you cannot carry concealed or you're, you don't have the permit to do so or whatever, right? Uh, and so just as I believe when we are carrying concealed, we should be careful about not printing or having our gun exposed. I think if you are, if you are saying today I am carrying openly, the the right approach, because this is the, the only way I can really address this on a nationwide basis, is to, if you're going to be open, then be open. And it's probably advisable to not wear a jacket or some other piece of clothing that might be misconstrued as trying to conceal that, that gun, because that could potentially open you up for some legal uh, liabilities. Right. So I think, I think that the, if I'm trying to summarize the, the thinking here, the, the, the idea is that if you're carrying openly because you can't carry concealed for whatever reason, then you better make darn sure that you don't accidentally conceal it 
uh, right? Because there's potential legal, legal ramifications. And the opposite is, is true in some circumstances as well, right? If I'm in a place where I legally have the right to conceal carry, but not open carry, I better make darn sure it's concealed so that I don't accidentally open carry such that, I, that there are legal ramifications. So I think that's, I think that's super valid. I, I think a lot of people, probably a lot of our listeners are in situations where they could do either. You know, they've obtained a permit and so you can carry concealed should you choose, but you're in a state that allows open carry in most public places uh, with, with probably with some restrictions, probably more restrictions than there are for concealed carry anyway. And so in, in any given day, you kind of have a choice and that, that allows one to get a little bit lazy, right? Well, I carry concealed, but if it prints a little or if my shirt comes up a little bit, what's worst case scenario? There's a one because I could open carry if I wanted and, and vice versa too. I choose to open carry, but if I throw in a jacket or coat, whatever, it doesn't matter because I got my permit and I can carry concealed if I want. So, you know, some, some people have the, the benefit of not having to be so um, dutiful in making sure that they don't cross the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Jacob, what about, so let's talk about open carry from the perspective of someone's trying to conceal carry. What sort of legal uh, challenges might there be if someone's trying to carry concealed, maybe they're required legally in their jurisdiction or whatever it is to, to be so, but they accidentally print or they're, you know, like what, what kind of situations are you aware of there? So I'll- I, I, we're going to share a link in the show notes of today's episode that will take you to a webpage where you can see all 50 states and whether or not open carry is legal or not. So that'll that'll be in the show notes. But to be clear, if you're in a situation where open carry is not allowed, whether it, you know, that be you know, statewide, you're just not in a state that, that has open carry, or you might be in a specific circumstance or place. Like here, you, you and I, Riley, we're in Colorado where you know, generally speaking, open carry is allowed, but in a certain city, uh, it, it might not be, or in a certain building or in a certain park or trail or whatever. And so if we're in that situation and we're attempting to carry concealed and we fail, I think the first thing to understand is you are open carrying. There's not some third mysterious like in-between status. At any given time, so, so far as I'm aware, in all 50 states, and I'm happy to be corrected if anyone wants to, but so far as I'm aware, in all 50 states, you are either at any given time carrying concealed or openly. There's not some like half or sort of or almost. It's, you know, either it's concealed or it's not. And if it's not concealed, you're open carrying and you would be subject to whatever legal consequences that may exist for, be, for carrying openly. So when I, when I teach a concealed carry class, I make sure that I clarify the parameters around open carry, not just so that the person you know has that choice if they want to open carry, but so that they understand that if they fail to conceal properly, they're now open carrying on accident. And so they, they could be subject to whatever potential you know, challenges there are there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So good, good thoughts there. And actually that's really, I think that's the distinction you just made, I think is really, a really good one, a really important one. All right. So I was trying to think of like, what are some other things that a, a person should do, you know, whether it's gear choices, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually, let me address go, a couple go of ahead. thoughts. Cause I think, I think we need to, we need to issue some, some thoughts or some opinions just relative to the, the decision to open carry or not. If you're in a, if you're in a situation where you have the choice, right, you could obtain a permit or maybe you already have a permit and you, you can choose to carry openly or concealed you know, how, do, how does one go about deciding for themselves what they want to do? Because there's certainly plenty of people out there who feel very strongly you should open carry. And there's plenty of people out there who feel like that's not the best tactical decision. So that, I think we need to address the pros and cons on either side of that argument. So we, we, can, we can just start shouting them out or I can play, you know, one side of the, the debate. You can play the other, Riley. But I'll start with some arguments in favor of open carry because I think, I think sometimes open carry doesn't get as much love uh, as, it, as it could. So 
uh, open carry, we mentioned it might just be something that that's your only choice. You might open carry because you just moved to a new state. You're waiting to get your permit. You might open carry because you're at an age where you can't obtain a permit yet. Um, there, there might be something on your, your criminal record that prevents you from getting a concealed carry permit, but does not prohibit you from carrying openly in your state. Those would all be situations where, you know, it's your only choice and therefore you do it. But for those people, you know, who have the choice and they still might choose to do so, there's a couple of, there's a couple of uh, I'll call it pros or, or you, know, call, you know, arguments in favor of open carry. One would be that it normalizes firearms and, argue, you know, so for some people, the argument is that this helps our Second Amendment rights. If, if we normalize the presence of firearms among others, then we become better advocates for the Second Amendment. And there's obviously a counter argument to that as well. Uh, but you can certainly understand why if the 14 and a half million people out there with a concealed carry permit, uh, assuming they actually all carried a concealed carry gun every day, which they don't, but let's just say 10% do, that's 1.4 million. If 1.4 million Americans today decided, I'm going to start open carrying instead of carrying concealed, and they all did, that would have an effect on normalizing the presence of firearms, which again has its, has its cons as well. But you, but it, you know, to some degree, there could be some benefits to our Second Amendment rights if if it was just commonplace to see firearms like that all the time. Yeah. Okay. So you really t- touched on you know a couple things there. Uh, I'm going to start with what you first said about you know there's certain situations and circumstances, individuals, where open carry may be the the only method they they can use to carry a gun with them, right? And I definitely think that should be an option, right? Uh, and so. That I recognize, and I want to make sure that's clear. That I, I any time that someone might hear me say something about open carry or the the, the t- lesser ideal tactics, I think of open carry, and we'll, we're going to get there. Uh, you know, they'll be like, "Well, what about you know, nineteen-year-olds that want to be able to carry a gun? They can't get a permit." I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to do that, um, and I do want to make sure we separate that. I think there are some things that are pretty, mm, I, there are definitely some things that are just truths about the tactics involved with open carry, especially when, you know, compared to concealed carry. And usually when I try to talk about these issues, I try to stay focused on tactically speaking, this is, this is the, these are the differences, right? right this is the pros and cons. And, and, and you can recognize for yourself whether that's a good thing or not. Okay. Uh, again. So it, nothing, to, nothing about that should take away from a person's right to carry a gun openly or if that's their only option to do so, by all means, like carry a gun. I want you to carry a gun. All right, now to your other thing about yep. normalizing. Yeah, well, the counter argument. Yeah, you, you need to give us the counter argument on the concept of normalizing firearm yeah. presence. Um, so the counter argument, um, I, 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 I agree that if, if we had more and more and more Americans that it was apparent they were carrying guns, meaning that they're probably carrying guns openly so that it's in the public eye a little bit more. I do think that that, I mean, as is the case with anything in society in civilized society, the more we see something, the more something is publicly acceptable. Well, it becomes normal. Right. And we definitely have gotten away from the idea where carrying a gun is normal at least in the public eye. And I do think that's too bad. Uh, now, I, but let's, let's be clear though. There is, a, there is a distinction between urban areas and rural areas. There's still a lot of rural areas in America where it is normal to see a person carrying a gun on their hip. 
because I see it all the time. Uh, I've been in a number of small communities where you pop into the gas station and there's a dude with a six shooter on his hip. (laughs) Sometimes a good old fashioned single action. Not my preference for self-defense, but hey, you know, uh, but you're not going to see that in downtown Denver, mostly because it's illegal. <laughs> Open carry is illegal in Denver, um, but you're not going to see those sorts of things in uh, populated areas as much. They're not normal, which when someone chooses to open carry in a populated area, in an urban area or environment in particular, quite often they're going to get police called by a concerned citizen, right? Because it's not normal. And we are at this point in this day and age where, and this is what I would say, Jacob, this would be the counter argument. Again, I support the right to do this. And I certainly have no problem with the idea of carrying guns being normalized in society more like it used to be. But the counter argument would be that in so doing, by encouraging more and more people to carry guns openly, we do increase our, our risk in a variety of ways, but let me just highlight one that people probably don't think about that often. And that you increase your risk of having interactions with law enforcement because you will have more people, you will have a greater chance that somebody out there, a concerned citizen, uh, that for them, it's not normal. And they are, you know, in this day and age, we have all these shootings that have taken place, right? And so people are hyper aware more than ever, I think, of people in urban environments that are carrying guns openly and immediately they are wondering, is this the next mass shooter, right? And so police may get called, be prepared for that and know how to handle that, right? But just know that you're increasing your personal risk because anytime we are, uh, and, and I do believe, by the way, law enforcement officers should be trained and should be even better trained than they probably already currently are as it relates to how to deal with gun carrying Americans because there are definitely those out there that don't do a very good job of it. But just know that every time we have an interaction with law enforcement where they know you have a gun, there is just that, that and it may be slight and it may be great. It, it really, it, it depends on the officer that you get that day, right? Yep. You increase your risk of that interaction going sideways. And so there's an argument for, you know, that that can drain uh, tax dollar resources. You know, if we're, if we're occupying law enforcement officers uh, with, you know, dealing with completely law-abiding citizens because someone else is scared or freaked out, there's an argument, you know, there that, that's against open carry, that we're potentially uh, unnecessarily wasting taxpayer resources in, that, in the law enforcement officer. Uh, but then the argument could be made, too, that if it was really that commonplace and it was happening all the time, that then maybe it would decrease the odds that it does uh, become a law enforcement challenge. I don't know. Um, an- another common argument, Riley, that uh, you know one might use in favor of open carry is that hey, I'm I'm a deterrent to crime. You know, yeah. the criminal sees me and says, "Oh, uh, not here, not now. That dude's got a gun. I will go somewhere else." Yeah. All right. So I think the important thing to recognize here is if a criminal sees a person, uh, uh, you know, a normal law-abiding gun-carrying citizen, they may very well be deterred. But what's important for us to recognize is that there's different types of criminals. There's criminals that are looking to, for a simple uh, simple robbery, right? Uh, there's criminals that are looking for some sort of 
Maybe, maybe it's a sexual assault situation, right? Maybe, you know, there's all kinds of things and all kinds of motives and varying degrees of just like there's all kinds of different levels of aptitude and skill amongst shooters. There's all kinds of different levels of skill and aptitude of criminals, right? And so there's going to be certainly some criminals that will be deterred by the sight of a gun. That is with, I mean, I'm sure that's the case. Now, it's a very hard thing to measure and prove just how effective that is. But here's the other side of that. While there are some criminals that are deterred, there are some that are not. And we do have very sound evidence of that. Because just in the very simple fact that there are criminals that will target you just because of your gun. They want your gun. That's a fantastic way for them to get a gun in their hands that, you know, right off the streets that they can then go use in committing some other crime. Right. And so. And then the mass killing, I mean, they're committed. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not a, not a turn me away kind of thing. It's a, I guess I better shoot you first kind of thing. And exactly. And then that may be an instance, I'm not aware of one happening except for where law enforcement was involved. And by that, like, let's just refer to say the CC's pizza incident in Vegas a few years back where they shot the officers at CC's pizza, went over to Walmart. Why they did that? I don't know necessarily, but arguably that whole shooting started with them taking out armed individuals that were in the vicinity of where they then continued to commit their other crime. So uh, again, is it a deterrent? Sure. But is it a deterrent for every situation? No. And by the way, I'm not as concerned about the criminals that are easily deterred. Because there's probably a lot of other things about me as an individual that likely make me more of a deterrent than even just the fact that I have a gun. Like just my size, Jacob. Am I a small dude? No, you're 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 a big dude. <laughs> I mean, so there's going to be some criminals that are deterred just because of my size, and that they don't want to tangle with me, right? Um, there may be some criminals that are deterred because they notice that you are an aware individual. This person does not look like an easy easy target because they will see me coming, you know, or whatever it is, right? You see, so so deterrence is such a bigger, like, this is what drives me insane about this argument about open carry as a deterrent is we put it in a silo. Like, if I have a gun on hip, wow. I, you know, like, and, and so Matthew and I obviously talked about this, you know, gun is not a magic talisman thing a couple episodes ago. Uh, and we, we talk, I, that was, this was one of my big points is that deterrence is so much more than just gun on hip or not. Right. There's so many factors that go into that. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think I will leave it at that, at that other than to just, to say that I don't carry a gun for those easily deterred people. I carry a gun for the ones that are not easily deterred and including the ones I, I'm not as worried about the guys, even necessarily that, that, uh, yeah, I'm worried about the guys that no matter what I do, no matter how I carry myself, no matter the gun, whatever it is, I worry about the guys that are not easily deterred and that are truly dangerous. That is why I carry a gun. And that's who I prepare for. Not the easy, low-hanging fruit criminals. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a gray man concept, right? And and it's, again, it's an each to their own thing. Like if you decide that that, you know, you. On this argument, there's pros and cons both sides, right? If you decide that, that you're on you're on that side, that's fine. But it's important to understand both arguments of any debate. Uh, that that's just how I feel about that. So here's another one, Riley. So yeah. what about uh, speed of draw? You know, I get to my I gun. I think that's bunk. Yeah, no, I think that one's completely baloney. Uh, it's commonly used, um, yeah. but but it's a training issue, right? 
So, and I could, I, I've demonstrated it before and I could demonstrate it again and again and again, right? You know, so you know, and I know that I can draw and put a shot on target pretty accurately even in the seven, you know, like three quarters of a second, like consistently from concealed, right? I'm not going to get magically a t- even a 10th of a second faster from an open carry holster. I'm, it just, there's a point where you hit the limit of function that my body can do as far as speed of moving my hand to the gun, hand on gun extending gun out to target, pulling trigger, right? Well, it's, it's also because the, the movements of the, you know, going for the, you know, going to establish grip with the strong arm and the support hand, you know, uh, removing the garment or, you know, exposing the gun that was previously concealed happen at the same time. So it's not like it's an incremental time being added to your draw speed. Oh, now because I'm concealed, it's going to cost me X amount of time because I got to remove that cover garment. It shouldn't not not if not if you draw properly because those two things happen simultaneously. Uh, so it, it they, may they be, can and they should yes. Yeah, and, uh, and, unless you're clearing with one hand, that's the only time. Well, sure, sure, sure. You, to be clear, if if and this is because of whether this is how you train to do it or you don't have the option of using your support hand to clear a garment. Uh, if you are clearing a garment one hand, or if you're excuse me drawing a gun one handed only and shooting it one handed only then it's going to be measurably not and it can be not, it can be slight right because again it's a training thing how much you practice and how much how many reps you get doing this thing will make you vastly you know improved over the average individual where it comes to this sort of thing right so what we'll see is that untrained individuals there will be a big difference between uh, concealed and not concealed as far as drawing their gun right so but that's a training thing more rather than it is actual practice, you know, being that big of a difference in terms of that draw speed. Yep. Well said. Hey, one, one thing real quick. Um, I'll just throw this out there, kind of related to the thing we, we talked about a minute ago uh, about deterrence, right? I want to just also highlight the fact as a, as an argument against that, that having a gun be known to the public, meaning openly carried, uh, can, actually escalate situations sometimes rather than de-escalate situations. Let me give an example. There's there's a number of incidents out there where an individual is involved in an accident, maybe even a, a road rage a situation where let's 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 just imagine this. You get into a small fender bender and maybe it's your fault even, right? Like you ran into the back of somebody. This could totally happen. This is this is reasonable to, because by the way, this, the example I'm going to give, there are situations that have played out almost exactly like this. So let's suppose you run into the back of somebody. They get out of their vehicle and they're kind of upset. Clearly, you just hit me. What, what's the deal, guy? You know, And maybe they even get right up in your face. And you get out of your vehicle and you're carrying openly and they see your gun. Now, There are situations where that has caused that situation to to escalate as opposed to de-escalate. There are also examples where the sight of the gun has de-escalated a situation like that. But I'm focusing on where it can it can go the other way, where uh, it where that might cause that person to get even more mad. Like, what are you going to do? Shoot me? You know, you got a gun. And then what that can lead to and has led to is that individual may be the individual that reports things to police. And they may even exaggerate the story. They may even make things up. False where they, claims. Exactly. Yeah. Where this person ran into me or we were in this, you know, this guy was road raging, whatever. And then when he got out of his vehicle, he threatened me with his gun. So what's going to happen? You get pulled over or you get stopped or whatever. 
And what's going to sound believable? Well, if the story was this person, this happened and he threatened me with his gun, but then you get pulled over or stopped later on and you don't have a gun on you. Well, okay, clearly they're making it up. But if you get stopped by law enforcement later and they see, oh yeah, actually this person is armed. Hey, who's to say that what that initial call, who is the person that's listed on the report as being the victim, who generally whoever first calls is probably who's going to be recorded as the victim. That sounds a lot more believable now. It sounds plausible even because this person said this and we stopped the individual and actually found that they had a gun on them. So mm-hmm. it just, there, there's just all kinds of, there's problems that can result from being an open carrier. So I, now, right, oh, I don't open carry primarily for the same reasons I don't live in Phoenix. Yeah. I'm yeah. setting you up. You're supposed to say, why don't you live in Phoenix? Why, okay. Why don't you live in Phoenix? <laughs> okay, thank you. So, so I don't live in Phoenix because when it gets really hot, I can only take off so many layers, right? If I live in a cold climate. When it gets really cold, I can always put on more clothes. See, the, the, the thing with the gun is I can always get the gun out if it's concealed. I can always get it out if I want to use it to de-escalate a situation. But once it's out, I can't put it back. I can't put it, yeah. you know, it's, it's too yep. late. It's, yep. it's, it's like you can't put the gun back in concealment once it's been opened. Yep. Let me say this much. If it takes a gun to de-escalate a situation, regardless of situation, road rage or whatever, right? Like kind of along, along the lines of the example I just gave. If it takes a gun to de-escalate the situation, then the gun, in my opinion, shouldn't become involved until it's an appropriate time for that gun to be the tool that it is to actually stop or de-escalate the situation, right? Uh, does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to get at there? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're saying the same thing in two different ways, right? It's, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. It, it, that's the point. Is like that. I, I always have the choice to get the gun out, right? If I carry concealed, yep. when the time is appropriate to use that gun as the tool that I want it to be used for, I always have the choice. It's I've never I've not removed the choice. I've not I've not removed the option by carrying concealed, but by carrying openly, I have removed the option. Yeah, it, it is. You know, the gun is out now all the and, time, and, and I'm all about options. And and so you know, clearly in this, some of this discussion, we're 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 moving into that kind of that tactics world. Like, what about the actual tactics with with an openly carried gun versus, say, concealed carry, for instance. Um, so, again, tactics, you know, part, uh, a key thing in my world where it comes to tactics that I employ is that I want options. Tactics should mean that I have options. The more options I have, the better off I will be potentially, right? It means that I can be more adaptable to more situations. And so, again, it's not, to, I want to be clear. Although I'm sure it's pretty transparent listening to me that I'm not a big time, you know, uh, practitioner of open carry. And I have some specific reasons for that. This is not to say that you can't or shouldn't, right? Personally, you decide that for yourself, but more to to discuss what do we, what should we know? What should we be aware of if I am choosing or if I have to, or if I've decided I'm going to carry openly, These are some things that you should be thinking about. You should be aware of. You should be well educated on. Okay. If you're, in other words, if you're going to be an open carrier, you should be one of the best well educated individuals on the practice of open carrying because you have way more at stake 
than someone that's carrying concealed because concealed, nobody knows, nobody should know. And the fact that nobody knows is a, is a powerful thing because you have virtually all the options available to you. And as soon as we put the gun on the hip outside of our clothing where it's visible, we remove options, right? And that's what you're saying. Yep. I can't, I can't reconceal it. Like it's too late. It's guns out. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So what, well, do you have any other kind of points that you wanted to make? No, I, I don't. I, I think for me, my summary is I continue to support the right of open carry. I continue to understand that for some people and in some circumstances, it's the best option that, that you have or that they have in that circumstance. But for me personally, the majority of the time I choose to carry concealed. I feel like yeah. that, that represents for me the, the greatest potential combination of pros and benefits in the, in the, in the debate. Yeah. And it comes down to, cause again, you have all the options. Uh, so I want to I want to just and I shared this in a Facebook Live last week I think it was, uh, and I want to you know because not everybody listening to the podcast sees those Facebook Lives so I wanted to just share a kind of a scenario with you. This is just like food for thought, and and what it is is imagine that you are in a store, all right, and a robbery begins to take place. So an individual comes into the store with and they and they're armed. They've got their gun. And where, in fact, you know, Jacob, let me just ask you some questions and, and, and kind of lead you through this scenario. Is that, is that all right? Sure. Ready. Okay. So, all right. Scenario is, let's just, let's say it's a convenience store, a gas station, whatever. 7-Eleven. Uh, I love 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Okay. Seven, all right. So we're in a 7-Eleven. You are kind of in the back or at least maybe you're, you're, you're in one of the rows or something. Okay. Maybe you're back mm-hmm. by where the drinks are. You're grabbing a water, a Gatorade, whatever it is. Right? Orange cream Sobe. They're discontinued. I'm always looking for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you, you being a big time, a seven 11, uh, uh, customer, you're probably familiar with how they're laid out. Right. And this mm-hmm. is true of a lot of convenience stores. So you're back where say the orange cream sodas are, would be located, assuming they had some, can you see what's on a person's hip from the front door? No. Okay. So a robber that comes in, they may be aware that you're back there, but they probably are not aware if you're carrying openly, at least that you've got a gun. All right. So robber comes in, he's undeterred in other words, because he doesn't see that deterrence, assuming it would be right. Uh, Which that's not a guarantee either. So he comes in, robber comes into store. He has his gun out ready at the ready. Where is his attention at least initially focused in this robbery? Uh, on the objective, which is probably the cash in the register. Yep. Cashier, register, give me the money, give me the stuff, right? Now, let's just suppose that at some point during this interaction, and maybe Jacob, maybe you just don't even notice what's going on. All right. And so maybe you come forward and suddenly robber sees you, pays, you know, glances at you and then sees that you have a gun, but you don't have it in your hand yet. It's in a holster. Well, my, my slurpee is in my hand. Ah, so, but he sees your gun. How, how, what does the robber now do? How does he change his approach in this situation? Well, it becomes a lot more volatile, right? As to what he's going to do, I don't pretend to predict, but let's say that whereas previously he would have felt in control, now he maybe, he probably feels less in control. So I think right. that the one, one robber might then choose to start shooting. Uh, to turn a gun and fire, you know, in preservation one's okay, life. Okay, so, so stop right there. So so one potential outcome could be that he chooses to 
crap, citizen here with gun on hip, ooh, that's a threat to me. I may resort straight to pulling the trigger and, sh- and shooting you. Uh, I think that's a potential outcome. Okay, what's another one? I think uh, there's potential that he could be scared. He could say, oh, crap, dude with gun, and he could turn and run. Could be. I agree. So that, that uh, again, probably not likely yet, I would say. If the gun comes out, I think it definitely could uh, be, become a deterrent. It's more of a deterrent when it's in your hand, right, than when it is in your holster. Uh, what, what, but what's one thing that like, almost for sure we can guarantee about this robber as it relates to you, that him now being aware of you and the fact that you have a gun? If he decides to engage, I'm the first one getting shot. Okay, but guaranteed thing? I don't know. It's, it's, I, I'm really burying it here. He is going to be, his attention is going to be on you. Yep. Does, sure. Do you think he turns his back to you knowing you have a gun? Never. Heck no. No, I've, right? I've, any potential element of surprise I might have had is, is out of the bag. There we go. And so once he knows what you have, that's where his attention is focused. And he has his gun out already. So you are at a big time tactical uh, disadvantage. Let's say that you're the store clerk. Let's play it out this way. So Robert comes into the store. A lot of times how these stores are set up and because of all the signage they have in the windows and things, he may not necessarily, you know, I've had people tell me, well, you know, Robert might be outside the store and looking inside and see clerk has a gun on his hip and be deterred. It's even, that's not likely because of the idea of these stores is they have signage and they have all kinds of product and shelves and counters and stuff in the way because they're trying to sell their wares. So Robert comes in and within the first few seconds, you know, gun out, right? Hey, Jacob, you know, you're the cashier. Give me, and then as before he even finishes his sentence of give me the money, what does he see? Gun on hip. How do you think it changes now for you? Uh, I, I, I think we're in the same point we were before, right? I think both right. the two scenarios are possible. One is I see gun on hip. So now all my attention is on you. I'm not letting you get away with anything. Uh, I, I, I could, you know, I might put my gun right at you. I might yep. make threats. I might start shooting, but one thing's for sure is I'm not going to, I'm not going to be distracted away from the gun that's on your hip. Right. Uh, now I, I, you know, the opposite is also possible. It's true, right? I might see gun on hip and now I might freak out and run back out the door. Might, might, right. We, again, we have to recognize that there is always that possibility of it being a deterrent, but it's not a guarantee, right? And I don't like situations that are not guaranteed, but the one thing that is for sure is that when the robber knows you are armed, he will treat you differently than when he doesn't know, right? So when we look at surveillance video of a lot of robberies or even other situations that are, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be specific to robbery, but when we look at surveillance video where a robbers or a bad guy, an armed individual, an armed criminal is dealing with a normal citizen, uh, what we'll see quite often is that during the course of the interaction, there will be times where that in, where the uh, uh, criminal will glance away, right? He will turn, he will look because he's, he's on, you know, he's hyper uh, attentive of the situation. He's doing something that's risky. Every time he robs somebody, it's risky. So he's trying to be aware, just like we should be aware of our surroundings. He's being aware of his surroundings, right? But, you know, that's only true if, he doesn't know that we are armed. And as soon as that changes, then the focus will be entirely on us and he is not going to be interested in what's going on around him, at least so much. Because he will not be interested in t- turning, taking his eye off of you, knowing, knowing now what he knows about you. That's my whole point. 
And so when we talk about the tactical advantage that is the element of surprise, it's a huge one. And, the, and why having options is such a big deal. Uh, again, we could, we could try to imagine that carrying a gun openly will deter all these bad things from happening to us. But the reality is it is a deterrent sometimes, but not always. And so what we then have to recognize is that in the situations where it's not a deterrent, it's probably because that criminal is a more hardened, more dangerous criminal, right? And that's even worse for you because now he knows you're armed and he has the advantage. And this is a more dangerous, more hardened criminal. So that's why I, I struggle personally with the tactical aspect of open carry because the guys that I should be the most concerned about are also the ones that will be the most locked in, the most likely to go straight to deadly force, the most likely to not allow me to get a chance to defend myself because they're the better trained criminal, right? And so by me being, if we flip all these scenarios that I've just mentioned that we've walked through to where the citizen, you know, the the good citizen that's in the store getting his orange cream soda or the store clerk, right, to where those individuals are concealed, there's a good chance that they will have the opportunity presented at some point, provided they decide they need to, to where they can conceal their draw and change, you know, flip the tide, right? Flip the scenario around to where advantage went from robber to good guy. And that I think is a pretty compelling case. Yeah. I, I, I continue to say to each their own and you got to, you know, I, 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 I definitely have had conversations with gun owners who open carry and they've explained to me their reasoning, reasoning and why they do it. And I've said to myself, okay, that makes sense. Yep. So, so if you're listening to this and you feel strongly that you're making the right decision, especially having now heard all the, all this conversation, then I would, I would support that decision that, that you've made. Uh, I, I think that our objective in this podcast is to pre- present both sides of an opinion in, in situations where there are arguments on both sides. So hopefully we've done that appropriately. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, so I'm glad you add, added that uh, caveat to everything that just proceeded, you know, in the last year, 10 minutes or whatever of conversation, because again, I honestly don't care. Uh, and, but I do think that tactically, uh, I mean, you have to be aware of those potential outcomes and scenarios and what you're, what you're in for, what you're signing up for right? You, you need to be aware of that and you should consider these things. And I guarantee you that there are individuals out there carrying openly that have not considered some of the things that we've presented today in this podcast. Agreed? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's hard to, to, I, I think we're all beasts that live within a paradigm, right? So you, you, whatever the first person who gave you a strong opinion about the open carry question whatever they told you, that's, that's by default, that is where your paradigm lies and to change one's paradigm is very hard. And so, yeah, and, and it's hard for me too, right? We all deal with, with that, that cognitive dissonance where I, I don't like having beliefs that challenge my current views and opinions. And so if, if you're a person who was eight, you know, you're very pro open carry and that's what you do all the time. And you actually were able to get through me and Riley talking about this for the last hour. I say props to you, you know, and, and more power to you, whatever decision you make. Yeah. But the most important thing for everybody, again, as you said, uh, is 
you, you got to be your own person, decide, you know, what, what makes sense for you. Uh, hopefully we provided some good food for thought, but also whatever you do, be responsible and be, and be safe. That is paramount no matter what. Um, I, I actually do have other thoughts if you can believe it or not, but due to time, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> so Jacob, any last things? I think you just got your last word in, but I did want to just thank you. Uh, say thank you to a couple of people. I had mentioned recently in another episode that we'd had some issues because iTunes has changed the way that they categorize podcasts and things. And we've had a lot of recent reviews from people who, because I asked you guys, go and rate and review the podcast. If you've already done it in the past, you can do it again. You can write multiple reviews. So thank you to MN person. Thank you to Random Thoughts Racing. Thank you to Big John BNW slash AR. Thank you to Flyin167, Slim and Smart and PGHYGV and LTC Texas. Thank you to all of you for the recent reviews you've written on our podcast uh, on iTunes. We're very appreciative of you having done so. Yeah, that, uh, that's excellent. Uh, thank you, everybody. Again, uh, today's episode made possible brought to you by Ammo Supply Warehouse. We encourage you to give them some love. Check them out. One of the cool things about Ammo Supply Warehouse is that, I mean, I already talked about how they're really awesome people. They sell you know great ammo. The prices are amazing, I think. And, but but their shipping is super quick because they have two warehouses, one that's west of the Mississippi, one that's east of the Mississippi. And so when you visit the website, choose the region of the country that's appropriate for you where, based on where you are. It's pretty simple. You go on their website, it says, are you west? Are you east? And it's graphically displayed. So it's, it's hard to mess up. Click on the side of the country that you're on, place your order, and Chances are it'll get to you in just a couple of days. At least that's been my experience. Every order that I've placed has, has arrived and it, it hasn't taken long at all. In fact, and I think we are probably maybe a little bit advantaged. Uh, the West Coast or Western side of the U.S. warehouse is in the Las Vegas area. And Las Vegas isn't really that far from Denver. Even if it's on a truck driving, it's about a 12-hour drive to Las Vegas. So, yeah. A lot of my orders have arrived in two days. Two days for an online ammunition order. I think that's amazing. So I can't guarantee that'll be the same performance that you that you get uh, as far as on the shipping side of things. But what I know is that they get orders and they get them out the door fast. Check out Ammo, Ammo Supply Warehouse today, ammosupplywarehouse.com. And again, as mentioned in the beginning of the episode, uh, please uh, head on over to concealedcarry.com. Check out our website if you haven't been there for a while. Uh, but you know, it's only if it, even so. If it, yeah, even if it's only been a couple of days, just recently we changed our videos and we added a dedicated video feature on the site that's way better and way more organized than it used to be, and uh, things aren't spread out everywhere. And so, yeah, it's really awesome. Check it out. So, I guess we should uh, say sayonara until next time. A sayonara. <laughs> So everybody, uh, you take care out there. Be safe. Have a great weekend. We're coming up on a weekend here. Jacob and I will be teaching this uh, Triple Guardian course all weekend. Really looking forward to that and and uh, hopeful that we get through that uh, just fine and without incident. Uh, so we'll, we'll enjoy shooting this weekend. Hopefully you are a, all able to get out to the range at some point too and throw some lead down range. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.